What's up, guys? Welcome to the Jesus Enemies podcast. Uh, I'm Derek. Got Larry here with me. Uh, so last week, we kind of wrapped up our scriptural analysis uh, with Genesis 11 and the Tower of Babel. Uh, this week, we're going to be looking through salvation and you know what that is in Genesis and you know the parallels, the types and foreshadowings and how this divine order we kind of closed out last week talking about that divine order in genesis and to, to so today we're going to look at that divine order with salvation and you know what god's plan was from the beginning so you know we before the episode, Larry and I were kind of riffing with each with each other, and you know we were just thinking like it, it, it's insane how all this connects, but it's also more insane that some of the apostles also used the Bible to get a last jab in at people. Uh, however, uh, Genesis I feel like is one of those places that. Um, no one's trying to get a jab in at anyone unless you're Moses looking back and he's really mad about something that Jacob did, <laughs> but, uh, which is definitely impossible. I don't know, some of the things those guys did in the book of Genesis, <laughs> very shady, some weird stuff. Like there was some shade being thrown at some of those tribes. Oh yeah. No, like they're in, like, <laughs> like Moses look, maybe Moses looked out, could have been looking out in the crowd and been like, Man, those dudes are jerks. I'm gonna make their great 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 grandfather have their ancestors with his stepmom. I feel I feel like it's like uh. I mean, obviously that's not what he did, but like. But I feel like it's like on son-in-law. Like, have you watched Son-in-Law? Yeah. Where Crawl, he's going and he's like looking through the guys like inbreeder <laughs> that's right we're doing early 90s Polly shore movies on the jesus name news podcast this Dude, week son-in-law is like my one of my all-time it's a great movies. movie yeah so salvation right <laughs> or or to say it like Polly shore would salvation right um so salvation i mean it's it's super important right i mean like salvation literally is the most important thing ever it's it's the topic of the whole bible i mean the bible starts off talking about the fall of man because it then wants to it wants to tell us about salvation because you can't be saved from something you haven't heard about which is why and we're briefly going to go over what this means what is salvation what does it mean and how do we get it and and the first step of salvation is always 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 going to be hearing and we see this in the writings of Paul. He said in Romans 10, 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So hearing is the first thing that anybody needs to do to be saved. They have to hear about Jesus. They have to hear about their fallen state. They have to hear about the salvation that can be given to them. Yeah. And it's, and that, that's such an important thing that a lot of times we overlook for some of the um, shinier and, and funner and easier to count aspects. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's really hard to like advertise. 
hey, in the last 12 months, my church has caused 100,000 people to hear about Jesus. Yeah, how many have actually come to your church? Seven. Oh, so, uh, you know, it, it doesn't feel as great, whereas some of these later things, it makes you, it makes it feel like you're making more progress. So beyond that, the next thing after hearing, somebody has to believe, right? You know, John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved the world that whosoever shall believe in him, you know, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You have to believe. Yeah. Okay. And, and as we talked about last week, next come the steps of repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus and the infilling of the Holy ghost acts chapter two, verse 38 shows Peter preaching that on the day of Pentecost, the first sermon in the new Testament. Uh, and it, it's so important. And those things are so true. And beyond that, you know, you have to live a life that is dedicated to God, that is for God. And, and I could give you tons of scriptures about why that is. And, and one day we'll, we'll do some episodes on, on predestination and all of that stuff. Cause I know those are huge topics, but the best illustration I can ever give you for the fact that you have to actually live a life for God after salvation. It's just a simple fact that the epistles exist. Yeah. I mean, so first of all, let's start out with, like, we are not reformed. We are not. No. And the fact that there is a reformed worries me, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. And so, so these things, and the thing is, is that these things are all like very prevalent in the New Testament. I mean, they're all over the place because, well, it's the New Testament. I mean, of course it is. These are New Testament doctrines. These are doctrines that the church taught and believed and said after the death and resurrection of Jesus, after his ascension. So we would find them in the New Testament. However, what, what gets me excited about like talking about this Old Testament stuff is that these things are so prevalent in these Old Testament passages, and they've come up again and again and again in the last seven episodes. And we just kind of wanted to highlight um, some of the places that they came up because this topic is so important and it, it's a great way to kind of put a bow on the end of a series that is theologically very challenging for people and very yeah. difficult to reconcile some of our modern proclivities for exactness and scientific perfection and ancient writings habits of using the narrative of a story to make a point rather than to actually tell the exact details of the story. Yeah. And you know, that's something that we've talked about is, you know, Genesis, we see that divine order taking place. Right. And, uh, throughout the garden, throughout, you know, Noah and Canaan, a lot, God had set a divine plan in order and how he thought the earth should be maintained and kept and how man should have communion with God. Like he had this idea and man is the one that you know screwed it up. Um, you know, and so it, probably, I guess the first one that we can kind of look at is the garden, right? Yeah. I mean, first place, is just there itself in the garden everything was perfect god's divine order was already set and uh they didn't struggle it didn't hurt you know eve had babies and maybe 
and uh, <laughs> maybe I mean we don't know if he had babies, but and didn't hurt. And but like one of the coolest things, just in the sense of like, man, like they they literally God just kind of strolled up and just chilled with them. Yeah, I like, mean that that's insane. Like the fact that a man and woman could just walk with God in the garden. You know, yeah. or, or whatever God looked like. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, whatever it was. I mean, but it says that he, I, I mean, the way it, it talks about him sure seemed like there was some sort of walking. Oh, yeah. And that, and that gets into a whole different thing. Like, yeah. The, you know, Jesus being present. And like, wow. Um, yeah. But in the garden, they had one rule, right? They couldn't yeah. eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they were told that if they did, they would surely die. And and I get it. You know, we had a whole episode on what this means. And we talked about it on what die means. And, you know, they literally didn't die. Obviously, they, they lived on. Their flesh remained. But the point here is not exactly what that die meant. The point is, is that the the clear biblical precedent set from this very early moment that that god's way is life and the other way like literally any other way you could possibly ever come up with is death and you know we talked about how dust you know it, it describes adam being created from dust and dust is always a uh is always a or an idea uh, or a reference to man's mortality. And, uh, you know, I think about, you know, that mortality and how they had access to the tree. You're saying, you know, God's way is life. They would have had access to the tree of life and lived forever, according to Genesis, had they just obeyed. Yeah. I mean, that's what's insane to me. But, uh, yeah, you know, and then- and from there, you know, they, they, there's a, the, just one of the best examples. I, I mean, the Bible starts off so strong. It gives probably the best example I, I can think of, of God's mercy and his grace in light of what we do. You know, it, he, he comes into the garden and it says he, you know, he walks up and, you know, Adam and Eve are there and he's just like, where are you guys? Lucky <laughs> like, doesn't like God doesn't know where they are and God doesn't know what they did and God doesn't know why they're not showing themselves and God doesn't know every detail of what happened, but yet God comes up and he's like, Hey guys, where'd you go? You know? And they lie. Like they, 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 they kind of tell him, but, but they make excuses and they lie and they repeatedly pass the buck and God God gives them, I think, three chances repeatedly to just rather than pass blame, rather than go, I didn't do it, rather than make an excuse to just say, I did the thing you didn't tell me to do. What can I do? How do we fix it? Oh, you know, that brings to mind, you know, how many times did did Peter deny Jesus? Yeah. How How many times did Jesus ask Peter, do you love me? Yep. Three times. I mean, there are so many types and shadows in the Bible. It's insane. Yes. 
uh, and you know, we talked about how that blood had to be had to be shed to cover sin, and you know that the covering that Adam and Eve made from the leaves of the garden was not acceptable. So God made them a different one because you know a blood sac it was the first sacrifice, right? Um, to cover the nakedness. Uh, yeah, it, and I mean, one of the interesting things about this, every time I read this, and I tried to find it because I was so like affected by this message I heard that I swore it was in the Bible, but it's not. I, I read a message about how like God would have something about the Hebrew and, and maybe it is in there on some level. So if it, if somebody's listening to this and you know, let us know, but like something about the way it's said or something implies that God would have like torn the flesh off of the animals and like placed it on them, like bloody and everything. So they had to wear their, so it like was literally covering them in the blood of like this animal that died for them to be covered. A literal atonement. Basically. Yeah, it was like a literal atonement. And I cannot, I can't figure out why they said that. But like the way that they did it was just so moving and connecting it to the future sacrifices that happened. And we see the sacrifices in the tabernacle. And another thing we've been talking about was just the gore of the altar of in, of, of sacrifice in the tabernacle. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you say in them putting on that that garment with blood all over. Like, that reminds me of, like, you know, how the priests would have to take the horns of the altar they, and they would have to, you know, twist on the horns of the altar the blood of the animal and sprinkle around the altar the blood of the animal. That That, that is clear foreshadowing of, you know, it, it, I feel like it's a it's an outward expression. You're going to hear this probably later on an outward expression of what had to happen inside. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, and even through all of this, you know, God covering them, God asking them to repent and I'm not God punishes them. Right. And he gives them these punishments. But the thing is, is God still can't help, but be God. <laughs> right. And even in his punishments, he's giving them promises and he's giving them ways out and he's promising that he will figure out a way to fix it. Even though they don't, they don't even understand to ask him to at this point or care. Yeah. Or possibly care. I mean, maybe an maybe Adam and Eve weren't so much making excuses because they wanted to like, they didn't, they didn't know, or they just naturally just were like, I didn't eat the cookies out of the cookie jar, even though I'm covered in chocolate and it's clear I'm lying. Yeah. You know, like maybe they were like, you know, those arrogant teenagers who were just like, yeah, I did that. So what? I mean, yeah, you know, like they could have been, I mean, we tend to not read it that way, but you know, yeah. You know, and then we go from there and we see Cain and Abel, right? Cain and Abel is so interesting and, and we didn't talk about it a ton, but they both bring these sacrifices. Right. And the thing is, is there's no indication of what they were told to bring just that one is accepted and one is, one is not accepted. One is rejected. Yeah. You know, one did what God wanted and one didn't. Again, we see the way of God is life. And, and even if it doesn't make sense to us, our own way always ends in destruction and death and failure. And that death becomes literal in the scene as Abel gets angry 
or Cain gets angry and kills his brother Abel. Yep. And even in this, again, we see God doing this same thing. He 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 comes up and he's like, huh. You know, I mean, I mean, the Bible says God hears Abel's blood crying out from the earth. So he knows. And he's like, hey, Cain, uh, how you doing? You seem kind of angry. Anything going on? Yeah, and, and to me, like, can you imagine if Abel is righteous, represent or represents righteousness in this case? Can you imagine, like, what the blood of like the prophets and the martyrs sounded like to God? Yeah, yeah. And yet, I mean, God extends salvation. I mean, just think of the blood. Like, to think of it on that level. Like, think about Paul, Saul. Like Saul is sitting there holding the coats of the people stoning Stephen. And then he goes from there and man, that dude must've really enjoyed stoning Stephen because he literally went from there and devoted years of his life to traveling country to country, city to city. Stoning Christians. And, and again, it goes back a lot. Paul saying, and such were some of you. <laughs> like, yeah, Paul absolutely is. When Paul says he is the worst of sinners, yeah, he means it because that dude literally drug Christians outside of cities and ordered mobs to murder them. And and as someone who was taught by Gamaliel, which is one of the most profound Jewish scholars of his day, as someone who was taught by that man, he probably understood what that blood like. I mean, I have a tough time comprehending what that means just because I'm not Hebrew and I don't understand that topology fully, but he he probably fully understood what it meant for B- Abel's blood to cry out. Yeah. And so he, when he applied that to like, all the things he had done, could you imagine like the shame and regret he felt over that and what he battled through for the next several years trying to be an apostle? I mean, yeah. insane. I mean, I'm sure he, I mean, I know people have the, that thorn in the flesh. I mean, it makes so much more sense just considering human nature that part of his thorn was just that guilt. That regret he felt. Yeah, I, mean, regret. I mean, like imagine what could have happened if instead of killing Stephen, instead of killing the other disciples and apostles that he killed, they would have lived and he worked with them. It, it's also just so funny to me that Gamaliel, his teacher, is the man who stands up to the Sanhedrin and says, hey, like, we should cut it out. Like, Let's stop killing these guys. Let's stop beating them because we could get, be going against the will of God here. And if it's yeah. not of the will of God, they're gonna it's going to fall anyway. But if it is the will of God, there's nothing we can do to stop it. And Paul goes out and actively goes against his teacher to stop it. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and it's just... You know, Paul, unlike Cain, he responded, you know, I mean, yeah, the the narrative in the Bible is a little more shocking. You know, God knocks him, Jesus knocks him off a horse and, you know, but like when you really read in Acts 9, what what was said to Paul, Paul absolutely could have just been like, whatever, you know, like. He could have explained it away. Like, there's nothing about that that is in it that that people haven't turned from more obvious things than that. You know, like, and, and so you have Cain here, and God is just like, 
repeated, like, I mean, again, it's God. Keen had to have known who he was talking to. And he comes up and he's just like, so you're angry and Kane's, you know, whatever. And he's like, so uh, how's your brother doing? Like, you're not telling me that this dude didn't know exactly what God was getting at. And I mean, it goes back again. Like, this had to be a common occurrence for him to like hear God. Yeah. I mean. Well, and it, then he threatens God. I mean, like the dude actually threatened God. I mean, not like personally threatened him. He just threatened that he was going to mess up his plan. Yeah. And I just think about like, it it reminds me of Judas. You know, we we talked about Judas right before we started recording and how Judas, you know, could, you know, as the betrayer is constantly painted by the apostles in this really, really bad light as he should be. And Cain, I feel like in this sense, is like that type and shadow of Judas. Like, you know, because Judas stood in the presence of Jesus, understood what it was like to see miracles, signs, and wonders, and still betrayed him, still traded innocent blood for money. I mean... It's again a top and shadow. Like it's insane how many top and tops and shadows there are. I'll say it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and that brings us to our next points. And and these ones are very exciting for me right now. My my oldest daughter was filled with the Holy Ghost a week before we're recording this. So and she's gonna be baptized in Jesus' name a week after we record this, which both will be in the past by the time any of you hear this. Um. <laughs> to step you behind the curtain a little bit. Um, And that is baptism in the book of Genesis. That's right. Baptism in Jesus name, looking through Genesis. And, and the thing is, is we're not the only ones that do this. That's the interesting thing is it's literally in the Bible itself, comparing these stories in the beginning of the book of Genesis and in using them as an example of baptism Peter did it in first Peter three, 18 through 22. He wrote for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few that is eight persons were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. First of all, can I just say what? I don't understand how anyone is like baptism is not essential to salvation. Like, like yeah, I mean, like, it right there, right there. I mean, either this isn't what Peter was saying isn't applicable, or baptism is absolutely so essential. And and this is the same man who Jesus looks at and says, "You have the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven." So if Peter said baptism saves you guess what 
better than says you. <laughs> yeah. And and the thing is, is that he's very clear that it's not the actual, like, there's nothing about the actual dunking under the water that saved them. Just like, let's be real here. From every account of the flood, like from what the Bible says about the flood, that wooden boat that Noah, the non-boat maker made, wasn't going to hold up to that. Nope. Because nobody else's boat held up to it. Now, yeah, there was never rain before, according to the biblical narrative, but there were boats on water. Water existed. I'm sure somebody had a boat. They were definitely fishing. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I'm sure even if they didn't mean to, they had vessels that could float, you know? And and so, like, it just, it wasn't I mean, just about the fact that Noah built a boat, but God protected that boat through the water and that's what peter's saying here is that it's not that they were brought safely through even necessarily because of the ark specifically but because of god bringing them through in the same way baptism saves us not because you know hey we got dumped dunked in water and our bodies are a little cleaner but because god said it that way through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, and, and it, it also is like that boat is useless without the water. Yeah. Like that, that way of escape from certain death is useless without water. I mean, if you're going to build a boat, what good is it on dry land? And uh, that, I guess, kind of brings us, to what we talked about last week, uh, the infilling of the Holy Ghost as the inverse Tower of Babel and reconciling of those scattered nations, which Larry is still sitting over here like, how did you do that? <laughs> and, it, it's still blowing my mind. It, it, and, you know, when I, when I was putting those the show notes together on that, uh, I was texting back and forth with a guy that's on our youth staff and uh, he had preached a message that Wednesday night before about what is your name? And I, I texted him. I was like, Hey, and I tested him all the stuff I said about Shem and connecting the name through all these scriptures and generations. And seriously, if you haven't listened to the last episode on the tower of Babel, go listen to it. Like legit. One of the best things we've ever talked about, if not the best, like it was so good, but typically like, if you listen to how I construct things, I use a lot of research and commentary and I was literally just sitting there looking through these scriptures, looking at Shem, the name, the genealogy of Jesus, the, all these things like it, it, it not only like Larry was speechless, I'm sitting there just like, I got to do something with this. <laughs> and, and, it, it it shocked me when I when I started like pulling it all together. Um, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, though, like as the inverse, like the Tower of Babel was the place where God dispersed the nations, you know, scattered the nations, as it was put in John eleven, where Caiaphas prophesies that Jesus should die for the nation, uh, and John comes back and says, "Oh, but he didn't only die for." the Jews, he died for all nations that were scattered abroad. Uh, 
And then you have the day of Pentecost where these men are very confused by hearing their own languages from men who don't know their language. Not only so, that, I mean, just the noise of that, they shouldn't have been able to understand it. Well, and you also have like at the Tower of Babel, the actual verbiage used in the KJV, I believe is confounded or confused. And, yeah. um, then on the day of Pentecost, it actually says they were confused. Yeah. They, they were they were confused because of God dividing the languages the first time. They're confused because God was somehow was miraculously them. bringing them back together. Like I, oh, like just it's 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 some of the most powerful stuff that I think I've ever gotten a hold of. <laughs> like, yeah. and I don't know why God did that to me. <laughs> so, um. But, but I guess that's a good segue to kind of how we're going to finish this. Right. I, I mean, just like the best stuff that we've like the things that stick out, the things that, you know, a year ago, what's going to stick in your mind from the things that we've talked about. We've talked about so much. Yeah. I mean, we've covered Genesis chapter one through chapter 11. Uh, and you know, I, I texted, I was texting a guy that's part of our youth staff. And I was, I told him, he asked me, he's like, you're building a message. And I was like, dude, uh, we're doing a deep dive on Genesis. <laughs> and I got about like 18 pages of notes that I've put together for just like two chapters. <laughs> and uh, he was like, okay, a series then. I was like, no, I'm, I'm not that person. But I am <laughs> so because we're releasing this series every Wednesday. Yeah, and we'll hear your podcasts. But uh, favorite moment? I mean, not personally, like not just because of the recency of it, but the Tower of Babel stuff. Like that's going to stick with me. Yeah. Um, even uh, the study on the garden and like Lucifer being in the garden. Like I would that that really changed my perspective of how the ancients saw it and how I should view it. You know, the, yeah. the Nephilim stuff that we talked about was something that I've, I've known for a long time. Uh, and it, it really has no bearing on theology or salvation. Um, yeah. It's just kind of like interesting historical stuff, but like it's a side mention in the actual Bible. So like, uh, but it's super yeah. interesting. Like, but I mean, um, I know one was, of the things that I really liked was when we when we looked at creation narratives. That like, one was good. Who knew? Like, like I had no idea that there were multiple creation narratives in the Bible, and not just like Genesis one versus Genesis two and all that stuff. Like, but like actually, there's a psalm that goes through creation Job. specifically separate from it, and that Job really is about creation. Yeah. So specifically. Yeah. Uh, because God is like, why are you questioning me? I created this whole mug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I just, I never realized that Job went so explicitly through creation and about creation like it did. Yeah. Like no, it does. Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, and I've read Job, you know, I, 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 I've read Job. I like Job, but like it, it just, I, I never made that connection. And so making that connection was really interesting. Again, it, 
it it brings the Bible alive when you understand what they're doing and what they're connecting and what they're saying and what they're intending. Cause sometimes we miss it. Yeah. The culture, the cultural relevancy that we lose in the West is we, because like we've talked about, we're so concerned with exactness that we lose the symbology and the, and the, what, what the writer was trying to get across. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of like, I, favorite moment like dude tower of babel like connection get to the name of jesus like that not because i did it but because that's going to have a lasting impact on my point of view yeah i mean that that lasting impact on my point of view is we talked about it in that episode i can add that to the reason i believe now like I believe because there are so many intricacies and delicacies that are in the Bible that you couldn't get 40 of the best writers in the world to to form this without the unction of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. It's been an insane last eight. This is our eighth episode on this now, but it's been insane. Like, um, First of all, season two uh, that we didn't think that because this is like the first time that we've actually really finished. <laughs> so uh, the fact that we're seeing this through is a miracle, but like uh, we keep adding to it. Yeah. And that we keep adding to it. Um, and the fact that we get a lot of really good feedback, not just from us, but, you know, people outside, uh, people who listen to it and you know, it started out really rough with, you know, we were trying to do this news thing. And then like, once we got into the bowel thing, like around like, that October moment, like, God, yeah. like it, we, it really, it slapped. Um, and we just kind of ran with it, but you know, we're very upfront though about like our faith and what we believe in. Um, I'm not going to back away from that. And I feel like that's something that we that we want you guys to embrace when when you hear this. Like we, look, we we are Pentecostal to the core. <laughs> like we believe in the Holy Ghost. We believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in Jesus' name, baptism. We we believe in those things. But at the same time, we are not so hardcore <laughs> that we want to push people away and. Um, even though we are those things, we want to make this something that everyone can enjoy. And that's something that I really love about this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that kind of goes into the last thing that I really, really enjoyed and took away is that our discussion of creation and just like being honest and upfront and real about creation and science and the intersect and how that works like there aren't it's just this like it's this deep secret where either we we just kind of shrug and pretend like we don't acknowledge it or we get stuck in this like echo chamber of conspiracy theories and just weirdness sometimes trying to justify what the book of Genesis says and trying to 
westernize it and make it exact and like a spreadsheet of creation instead of, you know, an ancient mythological narrative of explaining how something, some truth of things. Yeah. And, you know, and it was just, it, it was just, it really did a lot for me to really be able to really talk about it and express it, especially coming from someone who has been in those places. Yeah. I mean, people are active. We've said this, people are actively walking away because of this. Yeah. I mean, we did a poll in one of our group. We, we have a Facebook group associated with our Facebook page and it has like 30,000 people in it or something. It might be 40,000 at this point. So we did a poll asking like, how do you believe the world got here? And it was like, I think it was literally like a hundred plus to like four believe in literal six day creation, 6,000 years ago. And, and the thing is, is that the people who were saying that, they generally didn't give like really detailed responses. Like they weren't philosophical about it. They were just like, yeah, this is the thing. We don't question. This is what the Bible says. It's what the Bible says. And that's all there is. It doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter what we discover. It doesn't matter anything. Like, but I mean, these same people would tell you, Oh, the dragon in revelation is a symbol. Yeah. And, And that's kind of the thing is that, it's not that there's anything wrong with necessarily believing some of those things. It's that we have to, we have to be willing to talk about it. And we also have to leave room for other people. I, I, I mean, at some point we can't hold so close to dogmatic interpretations of the scripture that we chase away people who can't stick with that dogmatic interpretation yeah things that are absolute and things that are not believing that the earth was created in six 24-hour days is not absolute and it's it's not salvational right exactly like uh, like we said genesis is filled with you know as the ancient hebrews would have seen it symbology it's felt like history in that day wasn't just about this is how it happened. It was about a narrative. And that narrative is God specifically chose you. You're a chosen nation. The interesting thing is that we still do that. I mean, on some level, and even in the recent history, it was more common. I mean, again, to go back to George Washington, right? He cut yeah. down the cherry tree and he couldn't tell a lie. None of that actually happened. Dude had like literal spies infiltrating. It was just a narrative that was spread so far that it became almost a historical fact, except for we wink, wink, wink that it's not really a historical fact. Yeah. We, and- because he was an honest person. Like, okay, that's fine. But the thing is, is some of this is that way. And, and that's just, it's, it's, when you get to the point when you realize that we don't have to stick to these dogmatics and you don't have to like open up a science textbook and feel guilty for thinking the dinosaur chapter is cool. Our Jurassic Park is kind of interesting. Because I've actually been there. Like I've opened up a science book and felt dirty for thinking, like wanting to study dinosaurs because 
feeling like their existence is contrary to my religion as a young person. Like it's, it's weird. Yeah. And that doesn't have to be because we don't have to be that way and we shouldn't be that way. And so I I think that's one of the big things I'm going to take away from this. I mean, the tower of Babel thing is definitely cooler. (laughs) It's definitely cooler. Like, like man, still working on that. Yeah. And still, you know, what's interesting is, is that when, when we're creating this episode, Larry was like, I have something for, uh, for repentance, I have something for baptism, and I don't we have, have for info. We have following God's direction. We have all of it. We have every aspect except for the infilling of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. And then he's just like, <laughs> "Hold my soda, check this out." Yeah, it, it was. It again. Look, this is this this series has been very eye opening. Yeah. Um. Uh, the notes that we have, I'm definitely stealing some of them for. <laughs> and to be fair, a lot the the Tower of Babel thing is probably more of a sermon, less of a podcast. But uh, podcasts can be sermons. We've done it. We've done it. We'll yeah. do it again at some point. At some point. So uh, probably Easter. <laughs> it's very okay. easy, but uh, you know. It's been really good, though, just to take a moment. Because, like, I haven't done a lot of studying about Genesis chapters 1 through 11. Like, besides Nephilim. And Nephilim was because I was interested in it, and it's weird. Or I read them, you know, every couple Januaries trying to go through the bread program. (laughs) God. I wish that they would update it from KJV and NKJV to something a little bit easier to read uh yeah but i i you know it's been a great eight weeks and we have so much exciting stuff planned like i i mean we have so many interesting topics that we're going to tackle that we're going to talk about and i mean let's be real here it's the bible i mean there's 66 books there's hundreds and hundreds of chapters there's so much stuff i i, I mean doing this you know, 45 minutes a week-ish, we'll be talking about this stuff for the rest of our lives. And even if we didn't have a podcast, literally, it's what we would be talking about for the rest of our lives anyway. Because that's just who we are. Like, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is what we talk about. This is what we love. But the one thing I will say about this podcast is that it has allowed allowed me, like, it's changed my my view, my opinion on certain things. Yeah, and it's given me uh, it's given me a target, which is something that at times I've struggled with, because some of the stuff is stuff that you can't. There's so many new converts to teach, and there's so many young people to teach, and I, I enjoy that. I, I work with kids all the time. I love it. I love those kids. They are amazing. But like some of the stuff, I I can't talk about it with them like i can't talk about this stuff with everybody you can't you know like hey you just walked into my church let's sit down and have a chat about nephilim <laughs> I, I mean 
it, it's just it's not healthy it's not good and let's talk about how and, lucifer and one probably. thing that one thing that i've struggled with at times in my walk with god and being in the church is that it's so hard to find a place and a person and a a group that you can talk about these meteor subjects and not Be not get out. judged and ran out for even asking about them you know and 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 so i i've just had a lot of fun with it and and i'm excited about our next set the next couple of weeks we're gonna be talking about easter and we're gonna talk about passover we're gonna talk about the last you know week or so of jesus's life and we're going to really get in depth on what some of these things mean and how they worked and and the whys of some of these things um and there's so many cool topics here and i'm sure we're not going to cover them all but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna grab a couple and we're gonna deep dive on some of this stuff and we're gonna get into it like we have been with genesis and like we did you know last year with everything about hell and October. and all that stuff like it's been great and so we thank you all for being with us we're glad that you know we get to have an episode where we really like look back and, and thank you for listening and and you know we thank you for supporting us into the future and we just we're glad you're with us every wednesday or whenever you listen everywhere that podcasts can be gotten we we think we are at least let us know if we're not, and we'll add ourselves there if we can. Um, thank you, and we'll see you next week. See you.